We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Thing on. See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Rock Power Report podcast. I'm your host, Bill, season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. What a bye week. What a bye week. I feel like that sucked. It's weird. It was the worst weekend to not have Bills football. I mean, I I shouldn't say that. I, I Sunday was weird for me. I got to take my kid on a wagon ride early in the morning around the neighborhood. In a red uh, wagon? Yeah, a little red wagon. And then he napped and my wife went and did some stuff and he and I hung out. And then I literally fell asleep laying on the couch with him, kind of like curled into me. We just snuggled up on the couch, watched a little Mickey Mouse Funhouse, fell asleep at around 9 o'clock. It was one of the most mundane days. I woke up after my wife picked him up and took him to bed. Why would you put on Mickey Mouse Club for him? <laughs> Listen, the kid. Let him watch some actual children's shit. Dude, he loves football. That's- he loves hockey. He loves sports. That's good. The only other thing he'll watch besides those is Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Now you got to get him in and get him into some other children's shit. Let me recommend a great kids movie. One of my favorites growing up, Kindergarten Cop with Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Dude, it was one of my favorite. Are you eating other people's lunches? Stop it! 
Yeah. One of the great- Crispin, one of the scariest characters Crispin? ever. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets and then he gets bit by a ferret. Yeah, oh yeah. And then like in what the neck. Go? And then his mom gets shot in the well, in the locker a, room. She's a troll. She yeah. deserved it. But no, my weekend was pretty mundane because there was a lot of terrible football that got played. So it was mostly me just hanging out with my kid and enjoying the weekend. What about you? Uh, well, I woke up to a text from my girlfriend yesterday because of uh, the dog, Frege, did some bad things. <laughs> so the back of the fence is the backside neighbor's fence Okay, that backs up. And so they have like a plastic white picket fence. Yeah. So there's the spacing is not small enough between fence posts. So oh, Frege is a little dog. Frege is a little guy. For those of you who haven't seen him, at Rockpile Report on Twitter. Yeah, so Frege can just fit right through the fence. So Jessica and I got permission from them to zip tie that like green plastic fencing okay. you yeah. wrap around bushes. No fencing. Yeah. Yeah. So we did, and I what I did was like I didn't want to make it like seem all tacky. So what I did was like I folded it in half. So it was four feet high. Oh, so I folded it in half. So it was only two feet high. So it was only two feet. Well, because like Frege was a puppy, but then he started being able to jump and hang on it, and his weight was able to rip the zip ties <laughs> off. So then he would rip the zip ties off, go into the other yard, and fuck around with their dog Addy, and then because of the weather. Monday, the dog did that, broke the fence, went over there, jumping around on Addy, biting Addy's ear, and then Addy's owner came out to kind of break it up, and she fell in the mud, and then Freeze kind of jumped on her. <laughs> so that was uh, that's a, that's an unfortunate, unfortunate thing. So we had to just send me a text and was like, I think we should give him a bottle of wine. And I was like, I don't, don't know if that's a, that's enough. Don't know. It, we've been outside from the, outside of your place. I see their yard. They got a serious grilling situation going on. That's what we went with. We went, I got went to Premier Gourmet, at the gallery, and picked up some Q42 sauce. Hell yeah! Didn't have the rub. They didn't have the rub, so I had to go with some other some other Texas rub and a and a main. But those sea, sauces are legit. Seafood rub. And then uh, Q forty two Kansas City is my go to now. I also picked up a, a bottle of Woodenville. Jess what? was Jess was like, "You think they're gonna? They like bourbon? If you, they have a green egg, they have a smoker, they have a massive grill. Like those two things just go together. Oh yeah, no whiskey absolutely whiskey, pairs with that. Whiskey and grilling go together. It's like peanut butter and jelly, OJ and a Bronco. They, they, <laughs> They work together. So we had to drop off a a, a basket. Of you didn't have to, though. I mean, I feel like... Well, we felt Je- Jess wants to be on good terms with her neighbors, so and this that, is where that, we was, that was hu- a requirement. This is where we differ as human beings. Chris, I don't feel bad for anyone. And I'm, I'm short of Todd. You've met Todd. Yeah. Todd's drunk, a great dude. Drunk Todd over the fence. Short of Todd... I'm nothing but combative with most of my neighbors. You and I have a very different view of neighbors and how things should be treated, but I respect it. And I especially respect the fact that Amon's barbecue sauce made it into your gift basket. Now, last week, I was told by a handful of our listeners that they expected more vitriol, some real hate, some fire and brimstone after the Bills had their last second loss against Tennessee. 
Two things. One, I was pretty hungover last week. (laughs) Chris, you were here for it. Yep. I came over here telling you that I I thought I thought I was sick, that I had a cold, that I wasn't feeling well. And then after three beers, I was like, wait a minute. No, no, no. Oh, no. That's just a hangover. (laughs) Now I feel perfectly fine. This is the reason I typically take the day off after primetime games. I mean, I need time to decompress from these late games, and it's impossible for me to go to sleep, so I usually just kind of drink my way through the night. Also, I genuinely was not that upset. As I'm constantly trying to tell you guys, I believe in honest radio. I'm not going to fake outrage for your sake. I mean, if there's anything I truly regret last week, it's that in my fog, I missed out on running one of my favorite bits in our show's history. Right up there with our annual Festivus and Bill's Bill's Grievance Mafia and our Seagram's Bats. Misery Loves Company. And the fact that we needed a week to run this segment was almost an act of kismet because there are some suckers out there hurting far, far worse than our four and two Buffalo Bills in the aftermath of week seven. Uh, We're going to start off with Bears quarterback Justin Fields. Imagine for a second, Chris, that you were training to be one of the astronauts for the movie Apollo 11. Or Apollo 13. What was the movie with Tom Hanks? I think it's Apollo 13. Yeah, well. Call in if you know. I started to drive in when I was a teenager. I don't fucking know. Now imagine that the people that built the Challenger are the ones that put your shuttle together. (laughs) Would you feel good about much of anything? How could this not end in disaster? That's what the Bears are right now. A coach with a career record of .554. The man who has single-handedly overseen two of the more dismal offenses in football over the last two seasons. That's your dude. And they literally set you up for failure at nearly every single turn. Fields currently, according to Ben Baldwin on Twitter, Computer Cowboy, when it comes to putting team pass protection ranking and sack percentage on an XY axis, he has the highest sack percentage in the NFL by a whopping 4.5% over any other quarterback in football, despite getting about middling production from their pass pro units. That's the hallmark of both a rookie quarterback who isn't processing fast enough and an offense that's broken enough schematically that the kid can't process fast enough. So whose fault is that? That's the beauty! No one knows! Everyone's confused over who's calling the plays in Chicago. They literally delayed a press conference for over an hour in Chicago a few weeks ago, and everyone thought that that was Matt Nagy getting fired. And instead, it turns out that it was just so that the coach could come out with a bunch of pre, like pre-written. He literally looked at a flashcard when he was asked questions about who was calling plays. He had pre-written statements. It's hilarious to me. No one knows who's been calling plays ever since the first month of football. I thought only Miami was dumb enough to let that happen. I don't know if it's confusion, more than the coach trying to cover his own ass when dumb shit happens. And yes, dumb shit has happened. Like what happened this week. On the first interception Justin Fields threw this weekend, he quick snapped the ball. This according to Matt Hodge on Twitter. Because they told him in his headset the Bucks had 12 players on the field. They told him, listen, you got a free play, just wing it. So he quick snapped the ball and threw it down the field. Chris, there were 
12 men on the field. Now, if you're a guy in the booth, that's an easy mistake to make, right? Yeah. One time. And when you make it one time, you probably wouldn't do it again, would you? No. This is the second time they've done it! (laughs) It's no wonder the team hasn't scored more than 24 points all season. And let's not forget, Nagy, he's the guy who named Andy Dalton as starter, then Fields, then said all three of his quarterback could be starters. And then finally someone told him to just shut up and stop talking into the microphone. This poor bastard can't get away from anything this season. I feel bad for Justin Fields, don't you? Yeah, just wait till next year when he gets an actual coach, which probably might be Brian Dable. Wow. It's sad. Talking about offensive coordinators, Brian Dable. Thank you for bringing that up, because that brings me to another one of my uh, suckers for the week. Jets offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur. Can you imagine being the guy who took over an NFL offense and made its fans wish they had Adam Gase back? That's what's happening. Welcome to the personal hell of Mike LaFleur. The Jets are on pace at 13.3 points per game to be less than one point per game better than last year's team. Or more than one point per game, but, I mean, Chris, does it matter? No. The Jets thought it was going to be addition by subtraction, getting rid of Adam Gase. Last year's team had 12.5. This year's team is 13.3. And yet, how many assets did you sink into that offense? How many new wide receivers? How many offensive linemen? You really did work. And yet the results are almost as bad as what you had previously seen. There's only one player on the roster that has double-digit first-down receptions. They came into Week 7 not just in last place in the NFL in total first downs, but they have just about half of what the Bills have produced through the same number of games. That's pathetic. For my taste, and this is the kicker, the Jets' offense is in shambles. Their coach looks like he's in over his head. Their offensive coordinator looks like he's in over his head. And at the same time, he gets a double whammy. Because here's the thing. Not only are you tanking the Jets' offense, if you're Mike LaFleur, but he left his role as passing game coordinator in San Francisco with Jets head coach Robert Sala. Right? Yeah. He jumped on the bandwagon. Since his departure, the 49ers have been one of the most offensively stagnant teams in the NFL. With Jimmy G running the same offense that they've been running every year that he was there, the same one that they took to the Super Bowl a few years ago, They're the 29th ranked passing offense. So not only does your current fan base hate you more right now than they hated the guy who spent, I don't know, half his career in New York making googly eyes and weird excuses during press conferences, but your previous team also sucks because you left. You screwed over two teams in one fell swoop. What an idiot. Just wait till we... um play the Jets. You know that Josh Allen cigarette meme? You know, yeah. I don't give a fuck. Bills by a billion. That's it, you gotta have one that says uh, Mike LaFleur, Guy LaFleur, Peter LaFleur. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Bills by a billion. I love it. Also, I feel like we do enough talking about Miami fans during our AFC's Roundup podcast every week, so... I mean, they're inevitably just getting sucked down to the seventh level of Dante's Inferno. 
I want to talk about Browns fans for a second. This was supposed to be their year. The year that the Browns put it all together and went on this long-awaited title run. And at the same time, they're still the mistake on the lake and just can't have nice things. The factory of sadness. Whoever came up with that nickname is one of the fu- it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Running backs the offense was built around, they're hurt. Highly paid wide receivers, pfft, they're never healthy. Your first overall pick at quarterback. He's being held together with duct tape, advertising money, and tore it all. The Browns won this week, and I won't take it away from them. But the long-term upshot for this team just keeps getting dimmer as the weeks go on. The reality is they've been beaten by every team fielding a top 10 to 12 offense that they played against. In those games, Chris, they gave up 33, 47, and 34 points. They can't hang with anybody that has a legitimate NFL offense. So it's cool that you can flex on teams like Denver, Minnesota, Chicago, but that's not going to save you when you consider that the rest of their schedule has Cincy twice, the Packers, the Raiders, back-to-back games against the Ravens. I, I don't know what to do with that. Depending on the health of Baker Mayfield, which they've already said his injury is not going to get better, right? Yeah. He needs off-season surgery, most likely. And if he gets hit again wrong during the season, they might not be able to fix what's wrong with him. This is shaping up to be just another long season for fans of the dog pound. And then Patrick Mahomes. This is this is the cherry on top of just the Schadenfreude Sunday that is people who have it worse than Buffalo Bills fans. The entire Mahomes clan is taking it on the chin right now. And I've got to tell you, it's pretty fucking great. It starts off the field. Uh, Pat's fiance and his little brother, right? They've spent the last two years essentially riding his coattails to a certain degree of Twitter and Instagram and TikTok influencer fame that even at the age of 36, I've got to tell you, I, I don't understand it. I think I'm too old. Is that, is that what it is, Chris? We're just too old to understand? Yeah, what? I, don't, I don't understand what they do. Neither one of them provides anything of tangible or societal value. Yet everyone knows who they are. As the Chiefs' play has declined, it's funny to me that people are suddenly less and less tolerant of their internet bullshit and shenanigans. It started with his fiance's social media whining about the refs during our Sunday Night Football game. Bills versus the Chiefs, where the Chiefs were clearly being favored in terms of the penalties called and the damage done. And yet it didn't make a difference. But she was only complaining because Patrick couldn't lead the team to victory for the first time in their entire relationship, and it short-circuited what few synapses she has left. Then you've got his little brother, who based on everything that I can put together, literally is famous for making goofy faces and dancing on TikTok videos on NFL sidelines and in press boxes. And that goes over well, you know, when he's not dancing directly on the number of a player who was literally having it retired because of his death. Or when he's caught on camera throwing water on opposing fans during a hissy fit, because they're making fun of him because his brother's team lost. And then you want to pile on top of that. Like, that's bad enough. His mother 
Do you remember when we sat here on this podcast and talked about it? We thought Zach Wilson's mother, with her liberal usage of Instagram and just the rant she would go on, whether it would be anti-vaccine. Anti- I mean, people listen to her. Who knows? I don't know. Anti-vaccine, anti-government, and pro her son, but it seemed like she'd had half a bottle of wine. We thought she was going to be the worst social media mother in the NFL this year. Nope. Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> his mother's literally going on social media blaming his teammates for all of his interceptions. I feel like at some point, Patrick Mahomes is going to have to call a family meeting like a disgruntled father and threaten to take away everybody's data plan, take away their car keys, and ground them to their respective rooms, which he's paying for all of that if they don't knock it the fuck off. And that the fact that in this Sunday's game, it ended not only with the most lopsided loss of his entire career, but also with him being literally knocked out cold on his feet and left to stand there on the sidelines and just look at it and ponder what the hell the rest of his team's season is going to look like. He might have had the worst weekend out of any of us. Chris, there's no Bills fan on earth that had a worse two-week stretch than Patrick Mahomes. No. I think you can throw John Mulaney in there, and I think he broke up with Olivia Munn. He had a terrible week. John Mulaney? Yeah, John Mulaney got divorced, got with Olivia Munn, knocked her up, and then left her. Isn't that Aaron Rodgers' ex-girlfriend? Yes. Why would you try to compete? I mean, what? (laughs) How did it go? Oh, hey, you, you tell jokes? Hey, can you flex for me? Ugh, that's no. not going to work. Mulaney's pretty good, though, at doing coke. <laughs> oh, he, this, this is the pettiest podcast. I, I, you know what? I, I, I'll go out on a limb. Might be a hot take, but John Mulaney is the Aaron Rodgers of snorting coke. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that's slanderous, maybe even a little bit libelous. I don't know where you want to call that, but guess what? We said it. I'm not sorry. So moving on, the Bills took week seven off, and I got to tell you, in just a single weekend while our guys were getting some R&R, the landscape of the AFC became pretty damn wild. I mean, at yards per pass, last night tweeted it out, every team in the AFC has at least two losses. It's going to be a fun season. Chris, in front of you is a chart that I've assembled. Yep, everybody's record and their playoff percentage. How crazy is this that there are, what, f- one, two, three, four teams that are already in single digits, and at the same time, there's how many teams over 74%? Uh, six. Okay. And seven make the playoffs, so. It's insanity. After beating the, beating the Kansas City Chiefs, the Bills were viewed as favorites to land the one seed in the AFC. And then after losing to the Titans, those hopes took a took a hit. No, they didn't. They took a hit if you ask the people who make the numbers and the percentages. Kansas City was back to looking formidable after beating Washington. And Baltimore was the top dog in the AFC. A week later, it's anarchy. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. I was scrolling through Twitter, 
and I saw a tweet from Mina Kimes, and it made me laugh my ass off. Because if anybody knows that meme where it's like the Japanese guy, and he's looking at a butterfly, and he's like asking the question, is this a... Her thing was, it's the AFC, and he was going, is this a good team? <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody knows who is good and who isn't. And I think it's a fair question to ask, considering that I never in my wildest friggin' dreams ever thought that I'd be sitting here talking about the 2021 AFC being led by the Bengals. What? So with that, I asked the question, who the hell is actually good in the AFC? One of the first steps towards establishing who is a contender and belongs in this conversation is figuring out who doesn't. And that's actually a bigger piece of the puzzle in and of itself. Because unlike the NFC, the AFC doesn't have a team that's undefeated or winless. At the same time, the AFC does contain some of the worst teams in the NFL. Miami, Houston, Jacksonville, and New York. Four teams with just one win at this point in the season and and all have sub-200 records. Chris, the Buffalo Bills... They play all of them. Yeah. I like it. We still got Jacksonville and the Jets on the schedule. Six teams are in the bottom 12 for scoring offense in the NFL. They have a whopping six teams that are playing with new quarterbacks compared to 2020. And none of those teams have a winning record. When you look it over, there's a lot of ugly football being played in our conference. It's why the following teams have, according to the New York Times, a less than 5% chance to make the playoffs based on their current record and their remaining opponent's win-loss percentage. The New York Jets, the Miami Dolphins, the Texans, and the Jaguars. Now, the Dolphins, it's crazy. They have a smaller playoff percentage than the Jets, which is wild considering where they were supposed to be in the run-up to the season, right? Yeah. Everyone talked a lot of shit in Miami. Do you remember when we got called frauds? I never saw that clip. I did. I Bart do, Scott I, was just like, oh, well, I'll put the Bills in that category because, I, you know, they lost and the Dolphins won, so obviously the Dolphins are going to win the AFC. I do remember our friend of the show, Brett Coleman, picking the Dolphins to win the division. Yeah, it's hilarious, right? Yeah. Brett Coleman, you're a smart guy. You know how to make cocktails. Why the fuck can't you pick football games? There's also a number of teams who aren't quite that specific brand of abysmal and don't drive their fans to drink nearly as much as those franchises do every Sunday, but to a certain degree are really struggling to field consistently successful teams right now. We're talking about the Colts, the Broncos, the Patriots, and the Steelers. Now, each of those teams are competitive in spurts, but there's a specific reason or two why each of them gets lumped into this category. I mean, the Colts... Inconsistency on offense and defense, fueled by wave after wave of injuries. Their defense is predicated on turnovers that isn't sustainable, given their opponents and their upcoming schedule. The Broncos are 3-4. and four. Injuries on defense paired with an offense that just doesn't have the passing attack that I think that they thought they would. Did they think Teddy Bridgewater was going to air it out? No, he doesn't. He can't. I have no offense. He can't air it out. No offense, because... My fantasy football keepers were Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins. I had to abandon that plan pre-draft and go with Noah Fant and Chase Edmonds. Noah Fant right now is a top 10 fantasy tight end because that's who he looks at when he throws the football. He's 
he's not looking to utilize these great wide receivers. I, I feel like they'd be better with Drew Locke at this point. Wouldn't That's debatable. Want a gunslinger with That's those, debatable. With those wide receivers, you wouldn't want a gunslinger. I'd rather have Teddy, who doesn't really turn the ball over. Yeah, it's working real well for him. Well, they started three and zero. They yeah. lost four con- four consecutive. They have the twenty fourth ranked scoring offense. Yeah, keep Teddy Bridgewater in there. The Patriots, their offense is matriculating, but their scheme is limited because they're protecting Mac Jones. Their defense is not as strong as the Patriots predicted it might be in the preseason, and they've lost a lot of games to teams with better offenses. That's just the way football goes now. And the Steelers, who it's crazy to see them in this conversation, but they're the Broncos with a worse offense. I mean, they're 26th in scoring and 27th in yards, but a better defense and a much, much more physical and intimidating division. They're the group that you expect to see in that in the hunt graphic come week 11, week 12. And I think that's just about spot on. I want to see what tonight's guest has to say about that and if he agrees. Bill's football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Bill's tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. Visit TickPick.com slash Rockpile today to save $10 on your first order of Bill's tickets. Are you finally ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. The excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. Get exclusive Exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in on the action with your favorite teams and players from the NFL, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Right now at WinBet, you can find great promos, odds, and payouts from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
you need indeed. So that's the group that I expect to see in that uh, in the hunt graphic come week 11, week 12. And I think that's about spot on as far as what we're talking about with the AFC. So when you're talking about the middling teams, when it comes to the contenders, though, it's a really convoluted picture. And I want to see what tonight's guest thinks about all of this. It's Ryan Lacell of the Rock Sports Network. Ryan, how are you doing tonight? Well, good, guys. Thanks for having me, as always. Of course. I enjoy any chance I get to break balls and talk about football with you. For those of you who live under a rock, Ryan, host of these TV shows for the Rock Sports Network, veteran of Bill's training camp coverage, and our resident, Ted DiBiase. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's gonna pay. Ryan, so I, I remember you saying you were gonna come in studio tonight. What happened? Yeah, well, you know, you guys got, you know, decided to renovate the studio there at Chris's place and you got all that money that you're sinking into it from being big time podcasters now, but he's not putting a helipad in. How, how am I supposed to come in studio if I can't land my helicopter? You know, the Maserati's in the shop. I can't, uh, you know, I can't make it out there. So as soon as you guys get the helipad up and running, I'm, I'm there. I'll talk to the pilot, get it chartered. We'll be good to go. Chris, what was it you said about Ryan before we started recording? Oh, right, he's the, the exact type of guy that would pull off the uh, Million Dollar Man uh, vignette uh, trying to buy the public pool and get everybody out, high chlorine levels. That's a lacel move. Ryan, we love you. We love you even if Brother Bill doesn't. Maybe if half of Twitter doesn't. You're one of our So Brother Bill unblocked me last night, actually. Apparently it was a misunderstanding as to how I got blocked. (laughs) It was a uh, misunderstanding. Maybe your attack on the pores. I'm sure that. I mean, let's be realistic. I I wouldn't blame anyone for blocking me sight unseen, but uh, apparently Brother Bill was not one of them. So I owe him a beer the next time I'm at a game and and we run into each other. So this is one of my favorite. And I can afford a stadium beer, so (laughs) guys should be uh, looking forward to that. I won't make you drink a a PBR in the parking lot. I'll buy you an actual beer in the stadium for fourteen dollars because that's pocket change. This is what I love about Ryan. Ryan's one of those guys who, if you only knew him via like text message via group chat he's a guy chris when we pulled into the pittsford pub the first time we ever met him i think i told you i was like you need to keep tabs on me because if i have too many beers i think i might fight this guy yeah (laughs) you guys you and lacel are the exact same except lacel's educated and you're not (laughs) (laughs) that's fair it's the same personality i'll take that but so, Ryan, so first of all, the, the, the kind of just the, the mediocre in the hunt field that I just laid out for our listeners. Do, do you agree with me on pretty much how I see things on that front? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I think the, the one, you know, the Steelers are one where they're kind of always going to be around, you know, as long as Roethlisberger can hobble to the, to the line of scrimmage and you've got Mike Tomlin on the sideline. And then the Colts, I mean... You know, I mean, if Carson Wentz ever decides to go back to what he was, you know, three seasons ago in Philly, they may make a little bit of a run just because that AFC South is such a dumpster fire. But, yeah, I mean, I I think ultimately those teams are going to be on the outside looking in when things start to shake out here. 
So that brings us to the contenders in the AFC, which is really convoluted. I think Mina Kimes put it perfectly in her tweet. It's a convoluted scenario that nobody knows what to think. Now, if we're going to try to compare these teams, we're going to orchestrate this in what I feel like is, uh, I think, a fair ascending order in terms of the teams that represent the biggest threats in the AFC. And for the sake of comparison, I'm going to be looking at a few specific items before breaking into a more general conversation on each team. Because even though I'm a big, dumb animal, I'm smart enough to know that any line of meaningful analysis has got to have some kind of order to it. So in that way... I'm looking at best and worst metric for each team, overall pros and cons, strength of remaining schedule. Like those are th- those. I think those are some data points and some facets that are worth mentioning for every team before you really can get a feel for who and what they are. And I mean, I think the first one, the Cleveland Browns, I put them at the bottom of the list. They're currently leading the NFL in rushing yards per game. They're 28th in the NFL in passing touchdowns on offense and 29th in the NFL in passing touchdowns allowed on defense. And their remaining strength of schedule is pretty grueling. Like They're one of the worst in the NFL. So if you want to look at the pros and cons, you've got a strong rushing attack, a good head coach who clearly knows how to craft a plan of attack. I mean, Darnus Johnson won some people a lot of fan duel cash this week. And their wide receivers are getting healthier. The problem is, is that Their other injuries are really starting to stack up. They've got DBs that have been dinged up all season, just seems on a rotating basis. Their wide receiver injuries are mounting. The running back depth chart is taking hits. And the starting quarterback, for whom shoulder injury is pretty much imminent, nobody knows how long he even has. Like, how long for the 2021 season this guy is. So, Ryan, your thoughts on the Cleveland Browns. I mean, is it fair to say that they're probably at the bottom of the list of people you would call contenders in the AFC? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think at least until Chubb is back. I mean, Hunt's probably going to be out longer than than Chubb. He's on IR, so he's you know going to be at least three weeks until Chubb's back. I mean, Evans, yeah, he was great. But, you know, again, I don't know how good the Broncos are at this point. The defense certainly isn't what it was. And you and I were talking with Spencer German, who, you know, covers the Browns. And the question that I asked him is, do you have any faith that Baker can go win you a football game? And until the question is yes, you're no different than what the Bills were when they had Tyrod Taylor. You had decent talent around you. You had a halfway decent uh, defense. But as we saw in the Chargers game, he gets the ball down a score with time to play and a couple timeouts. And he can't get it done. They go four, you know, four and out and turn the ball over. So, I mean, until Baker can become, you know, what Browns fans think he is, which is an upper echelon quarterback, top 10 type guy, you know, that I don't, I don't know that I would count on the Browns for, for anything. Well, and that's it. I mean, I kind of opened the show with a, a diatribe about the Browns, but I think it's telling that when you, first of all, they're kind of behind the eight ball just by virtue of where they play. They're the only team in the AFC or at least they're the only they play in the only division in the AFC where every single team in that division still has a better than 30% chance of making the playoffs. That's how comes well, because one of them is going to, right? Just by by virtue of winning the division. And probably so, two of them given the way things are trending. So yeah. the problem is is that they're it's just a lot for one team who was already offensively limited to overcome in the middle of a season like that. The division is one of the AFC's hardest, 
And at the same time, I just don't know how much more road the Browns have ahead of them because three of their four wins have come over really offensively limited teams. I mean, what they, they won 14-7 to against the Minnesota Vikings. That's... They, they just squeaked out a win over the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Those aren't the types of wins that should be giving you, as a fan of that team, confidence. And it, yeah. So when I look at it like that, and then I look at the fact that they may try to trot Baker out there. I don't know what he is at playing at less than 100%. I mean, we watched Josh Allen with a similar injury last year, although his was less severe. Those games where he was kind of hobbled with that shoulder injury... He was terrible. The Kansas City game. The ten- I don't even know if he was terrible, but the team did not play up to their expectation. The Tennessee game, the Kansas City game. Well, yeah. Cleveland's got a bunch of those types of games ahead of them, and with a quarterback that's less than 100%, I don't know how you can call them favorites to win any of them. I just... Yeah, and, and the biggest matchup that they have on their schedule, I think, is because, again, you look at that division... And it's the Bengals, you know, there's four teams. It's the Bengals, it's the Ravens, it's the Browns and the, and the Steelers. So, you know, you got to figure, if you're going to finish third in that division, you've got to beat out one of those AFC West teams that's probably going to be there, right? The Raiders and the Chargers, just by virtue of playing a relatively easier schedule. They've already lost to the Chargers, so you don't have the, the tiebreaker over them for that, that final wildcard spot. December 19th. They've got to play the Raiders. That might be the most important schedule le- or game left on their schedule because if they can't beat the Raiders, now you don't have a division, you don't have a tiebreaker over either of the two teams. You're probably fighting for that last wild card spot for. See, and that's it. Like I just don't know what they are and what they what they can be. Now it's funny you mentioned the Raiders because they're next on my list. The Raiders, tenth in the NFL in scoring and they're ninth in rushing touchdowns. They're also second in offensive turnovers and twenty eighth in rushing yards allowed. With and twenty third and touchdowns a lot, <laughs> like that. Jesus, their strength of schedule is kind of in the middle of the pack. If you think about the pros and cons, Derek Carr is playing some of the best football of his entire career right now. Chris, remember all the years you spent talking, try, trying to convince anybody with ears that Derek Carr was elite. Yeah, he's made quite the comeback from that broken leg. I think a lot of it was uh, a mental block. They took three years. Yeah. <laughs> It did. It's kind of like uh, Trent Edwards, except Trent Edwards never recovered. I love that we on this podcast just went Derek Carr, Trent Edwards. Trent Edwards. He never recovered after that concussion. Trent Edwards on his best day pre-concussion was never Derek Carr. Maybe his first game. (laughs) Never. Derek Carr is elite, though. This is what I'm doing. Lacell, this is why I need you in these conversations. This is why I reach out to people like you, because I can't have it with this lunatic. He's elite. Their wide receiver core looks pretty... At the the onset of the season, I called their wide receiver core barren of talent. And after John Brown left, I said, I don't know who the the hell's going to catch balls over here. Yet, their, their passing game is producing results. A lot of that's Darren Waller. And, I mean, this weekend we found out that their other tight end, uh, uh, Moreau, he's got chops. So you look at the tight ends and you go, they have bookend tight ends for the first time in a long time. Then they've also got, uh, they've got a a speed, then they've got bit players, but they're working. To the degree that Zay Jones now looks like a real NFL football player. That's how well their passing attack is working. On the con side, Derek Carr is Cinderella just waiting to turn into a pumpkin, isn't he? 
Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I think, and, and the interesting thing is you talk about the, the weapons, I would say that out of these teams that we're going to talk about, they may be the least talented team on offense in terms of weapons. You got Waller and Carr, who's, you know, again, two great pieces to have, but, you know, Josh Jacobs is nothing to write home about. You look at his splits, especially from like a fantasy perspective, he does plays in great when they win and he's terrible when they lose, um, you know, so he, he, yeah. he's kind of a positive game script kind of guy. Um, you know, and they got rugs who can take the top off of defense, which is great, but, you know, consistently he can't do it. And then Zay Jones and Brian Edwards, who are, I guess, decent options. But, again, when you're stacking up against the rest of the top of the a- AFC, you know, they're, they're not anything special. They're probably third wide, third and fourth wide receivers on almost any other team you're talking about. Um, you know, they went out and won one for the Gipper when, when Gruden got fired. And then they backed it up with a win against a, a halfway decent Philadelphia team. I still don't know whether Philadelphia is any good or not. Yeah, but, 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 but they're the know, garbage time wrong. kings. They're the garbage yeah. time kings. I, I, I firmly believe that uh, Sirianni, Nick Sirianni, the head coach of the Eagles right now, he, he is Oscar the Grouch. Because he loves garbage. That's what he is. He loves to create a garbage football game and then just like wallow in it. And everyone goes, oh, look at all the stats they put up. It doesn't matter because but, the game yeah, was I mean, over. And that's, that's what you've got in Jalen Hurts, right? I mean, when you don't have a talented thrower of the football, that's when you tend to capitalize is when you get behind and you start to improvise a little bit and you can run around. I mean, I think we can we can say that the Jalen Hurts experiment experiment probably has failed in Philadelphia. They're going to be ready to move on to a different quarterback. But you know, again, you still go out and you win a home game. Um, you know, you beat the, the Broncos on the road, which is huge for the division. You you know beat the the Eagles at home. So you know, the question is, was Gruden holding this team back too? I mean, just in terms of a, a lack of respect for leadership. You know, that that tends to manifest itself on the field quite a bit. Oh, for sure. I and mean, the Ra- Raiders are pretty good, and and Carr, if he if he doesn't revert back to what he's been, I mean, if he if he stays this or maybe regresses just a bit, he's good enough to probably get you to the playoffs. Yeah, maybe. But their defense has given up a lot. Of, I mean, if there's a, another con I can go with here, their defense has given up a lot of points to some really shitty teams. Uh, yeah, twenty. I mean, points, the defense is not good. T- they have pass rushers. Great, Max Max Crosby, great player. I mean, yep. literally, literally, Max Crosby is the reason. Think about this. If Max Crosby doesn't hit as a fourth-round pass rusher, it makes you taking Clellan Farrell number four overall. Do you remember that? The dude, he had we a draft party. We were dumbfounded. He had a draft party going at his house, and he didn't know he was going to be the fourth overall pick. Yeah. He was like, oh, I'm not prepared, because even I didn't think I deserved to be drafted here. Clown Farrell has been nothing short of a bust, but because he hits on Max Crosby, people go, well, that draft wasn't so bad. Revision is history, but the, the defense as a whole has been what it has always been. 28 to the Brissett-led Dolphins, 24 to the Broncos, 22 to the Eagles. These are bad football teams that are putting up points on your defense. And to me, when I see that, what I think to myself is, okay, you're very good. You're a good offense who has yet to play a great defense. And you're the softest five and two in the NFL, and I think you're a softer five and two than the ten and zero Steelers last year. You remember yeah, that? Yeah, no, I mean, I before think, they I lost think to a- Washington, before they lost to Buffalo, before they lost to Cincinnati on Monday night. I feel like the Raiders are flirting with that. I really do. Yeah, I think the the Raiders are the most paper looking paper tiger that we've seen in the NFL for for quite a while. They're uh, they're they're. 
you're looking at those games and you're going, you're, you guys are not as good as your as your record says, despite what Andy Reid or uh, what's his name uh, Shula or likes to say, you know, or uh, sorry Parcells, yeah, whatever Parcells likes to say, right? You are what your record says you are. Um, they're not five and two. They're not a five and two football team. I know that this team has a worse record, but I put them ahead of them. The Kansas City Chiefs at three and three. I still think that they're a better football team than the Raiders. Even though, and that's why I love that you just said that. You are what your record says you are, and yet I feel like they're a better three win. Their three wins and the way that they conduct business and the talent that they have is still better than what the Raiders have in the field. I mean, you look at them, they're second in the NFL in first downs per game. They can move the football. But they have the 27th-ranked scoring defense in the division. <laughs> like, in the 27th-ranked scoring defense in the in the NFL. And there's two t- two teams ranked in the top half of the league for points per game. Like, they've allowed more than them. I mean, they have the NFL's worst sack percentage, despite spending 50% of their salary cap on the defensive line. And their strength of schedule remaining is the most difficult in the NFL. I mean, nobody wants to doubt them, right? This Chiefs team was essentially built on sand, though. Which is something that Bills fans should pay attention to in the coming years. Once Josh Allen starts getting legitimate quarterback salary, the team's going to have to figure out how to balance the roster. And I think everybody loves Brandon Bean now. That is going to be the litmus test for whether you're a very good building GM who then kind of struggles to spin the plates. Or if you're a true dynasty builder. If you're a guy who is meant for the annals of NFL fame. That's that's what does it is. Hey, we paid a guy. Now let's figure out how to keep everything moving despite our money being sh- shoveled in different places in a in a just a couple pockets instead of being able to spread it out. The Chiefs failed that test this year. When you uh, Chris, some drunken idiot on this podcast pointed out pretty much all off season that the twenty twenty one Chiefs were built poorly. Their defensive backs are a bad combination of underexperience and having a low floor of experience. The linebackers are in the same boat. And their defense falls apart in pressure-passing situations. They hemorrhage yardage. And they can't stop the miscommunications between these linebackers who are... They just haven't had enough time in the league. And the defensive backs who are supposed to be carrying the load... I mean, literally, they have two safeties who are supposed to carry the whole team. Ryan, that's not... A couple safeties and a few defensive linemen don't make you a defense, do they? No, I mean, you know, defense is built from the middle out, just like, you know, just like your offense is. And the Chiefs' offense is great, and their defense is a sieve. And it's it's astounding that you can build an NFL roster and, you know, listen, it, offense is what wins in today's NFL – but you've got to be able to play a little bit of defense. And Andy Reid has basically taken the idea of we're just going to beat everybody into submission, but everyone has kind of figured it out where we're going to go score points and then we're going to let you run 13, 14, 15 play drives if you want to go five yards at a time down the field. And I think Mahomes gets bored and he tries to take a shot. And it's not worked out for him this year. A lot of, you know, a lot of interceptions are luck in, in the NFL. I mean, how, how long the last couple of seasons did we 
listen to people say about Josh Allen, interceptable balls that were dropped, uh, no, right? I, I watched well, a thread. I mean, no, no, there's a thread on Twitter that I will retweet after we get done recording this where they broke down every major quarterback in the AFC's interceptable passes from last year. And when you watch them, you go, oh, that against the Falcons last year, the Chiefs should have lost. Yeah. Because there should have yeah. been a pick in the end zone. The guy had his hands on it. He just dropped it when he hit the ground. And what you find out is Mahomes has always been playing a risky style of football. Oh, yeah. It's just never yeah. come back to bite him in the ass until now. And now he's forcing the ball because he's looking up at the scoreboard going, Jesus Christ, I got to do something about this because I don't want to lose. It's an interesting dynamic. And it's funny because there's yet another. We're talking about the AFC West almost in mass in this, which I guess is a, a credit to their division, but also... It sucks that they all have to play each other, the Chargers. I think the Chargers are better than the Chiefs right now. Seventh in passing yards, eighth in passing touchdowns. Herbert and their new offensive coordinator are clicking. They're dead last. 32nd in the NFL in rushing yards allowed. 27th in rushing touchdowns. And just third in pass attempts against because teams know, hey, if you want to get on the Chargers, you got to beat them up on the ground. Yeah. Now they have the sixth easiest schedule left of anybody in the NFL. What are your thoughts on the Chargers? Uh, I think the Chargers are the Chargers until they aren't. And I think that they're immensely talented on the offensive side of the football. Um, I think they're pretty clearly an injury away from Austin Eckler to taking a severe step back in the running game. And defensively, um, I think the blueprint against them is just keep Herbert off the field. I mean, if Herbert... If Herbert can't get on the field and you can take away the deep play by Mike Evans, I think they're, they become a very simplistic team to go out and win a football game against. Um, and then I think I, I also think you can't miss you can't discount the fact that Herbert has played his entire career on the West Coast. And when playoff time comes and he's going to have to start traveling east because I don't think they're going to be good enough to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. That, that's the real test is can they come into a team? Can they come into Buffalo? Can they come into Baltimore? Can they come into Cincinnati in middle of January? And can they win a football game the way that they play football? And I, I, I don't know that they can, especially if they can't stop the run, which is going to be huge in, in situations like that. Well, that's it. They've given up 180 yards rushing to every team they've played since week two besides Vegas. Which is another yeah. reason I don't trust Vegas because you couldn't right. run in that game. You couldn't do the one thing everybody else can do. Exactly, yeah. but they're just—it's one of these things. They're third in the NFL in pass attempts, but their scoring percentage, which is just rate that drives turn into points, they're only fifteenth in the NFL. So they're throwing the ball all over the place, and they only score kind of in the middle of the pack. That's weird when you consider the talent and the quarterback that they have, right? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is is because Mike Williams is so good at stretching the field, and he's a difference maker when the ball's in the air. But for whatever reason, they don't know how to use him in the red zone. It seems like that they're they're not. I mean, Herbert doesn't know how to just throw it up to Mike Williams and let him go get it. I mean, the guy's like six five, you know, two thirty or whatever he is. He's built, you know, just as big as DK Metcalf. And for whatever reason, uh, they're using him like Henry Ruggs. So until they learn how to how to use him, you know. They're 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 not they're going to continue struggling in the red zone because Austin Eckler is not a bury your head down and fall forward for four yards at a time type of guy that you need in the red zone either if you're going to only run the ball so they, they they get really wonky looking in the red zone and I think it's because they don't know how to use Williams and they don't have a running back that can get those short yardage if they need to. 
So one of the teams, you just said Baltimore. Like, they're going to have a hard time going into a place like Baltimore. Baltimore's next on my list. Baltimore, when you look at what they are, I mean, some of the statistical outliers for these guys. I mean, first of all, they're always going to be a top 10 rushing team, right? <laughs> they're fourth. Oh, yeah. They're fourth in rushing yards because by nature of who they are and who their quarterback is. They're sixth in rushing attempts because they know kind of, hey, this is where our bread and butter lies. But they're also third in passing attempts on defense against or rushing attempts against because teams know, hey, I don't have to run against Calais Campbell. I'm not going to try to do that. Instead, we're going to throw the ball. They're 29th in yards against, <laughs> which tells Marcus yeah. Peters, that injury, How I, I feel like that's glaring when you see that. And I think that really when you look at their strength of schedule by virtue of their division, their strength of schedule is in firmly in the middle of the pack. I mean, let, let me look at this. Let me actually pull it up. Strength of schedule NFL 2021. I got to get it in front of me because I didn't have their number pulled up. So the Baltimore Ravens are the sixth hardest schedule remaining. Yeah, I mean they, they've got they've got a really tough schedule. I mean they've got Minnesota, which is a, a, you know tough. They've, they've basically got the entire NFC North still that they have to play. Um, you know, so they've got the they've got the Vikings, the Ravens, or I'm sorry, the, the Vikings, the Bears, the Packers. They still have to play the Browns twice. They haven't played each other yet. They still have to play the Steelers twice. They haven't played him yet. They they get Cincy again, who's already beat them, and they still have to play the Rams. I mean, that's a that's a tough schedule. They might have the tough ske- toughest schedule out of all the remaining AFC contenders, and that does not bode well for a team that probably won't travel too well in the playoffs. Their their style of play. No, and that's one of those things. Like when I look at this, I, I look at their wins. I go, okay, you're a five win team. You you beat the Chiefs. Good. So did we. You beat the Lions, barely. You drummed up on the Broncos, who they're the Broncos. You beat the Colts, but you were losing 22 to, like, 3 at one point. <laughs> it required, like, and a needed overtime. You needed overtime yeah. to win that one. You drummed, you thumped the Chargers. Good for you. And then you got hammered the Chargers. by Chargers. And then you yeah. got hammered by the Bengals. And this is where, when I look at their statistical things, I say, okay, so you're the ninth best passing offense, which is... The, Hey, Lamar Jackson is doing the thing we all criticized him for, saying you can't do. You can't throw the football. They're doing yeah. it well. They're ninth for passing yards. At the same time, their passing defense has been exposed badly. No, That Cincy game really did expose that. Because now, without yeah. Marcus Peters, you, if you're a team like the Buffalo Bills, who are multifaceted, you can spread a team out. They don't have the cornerback depth to do. To, they can't do a dime package anymore. Their right. nickel package is shaky. That's where teams are going to continue to hammer on. The, and that used to not be the case, right? I mean, we all remember that playoff game last year, that epic playoff game, Buffalo Bills, uh, Baltimore Ravens, where they held our passing game in check for the majority of the game. It's just that their own passing attack couldn't get off the ground, and some untimely turnovers changed the course of the entire game. It looks like that's gone the complete other way with one injury to their secondary. And I don't know how, like, long-term, like, there's no help coming. I don't know how that gets better. Does it? No. I mean, I think them losing Peters is akin to what Buffalo probably would look like without Trey White. I mean, you know, when, when you lose your cornerback one, and you're in a past happy NFL where you've got to go up against, you know, 
Jamar Chase and, you know, Stephon Diggs and Mike Williams, you know, that that's tough to not be without your most talented corner on a, a, in any situation. And, you know, for me, when it comes down to it, and I know we're going to talk about them, but it, when it comes down to between Baltimore and, and Buffalo, you know, Buffalo beat them last year in, in, in the playoffs when it counted. And I would argue that Buffalo has gotten better. And I would argue that this Ravens team is a worse version of what we saw in that game with the exception of Lamar seems to be doing the things that people said he couldn't do. It seems like he's finally turning, you know, being a much more consistent pocket passer. He's finally winning some games from behind. You can argue he shouldn't have been behind in that Colts game, but he was, and he came back and won it when that was one of the big criticisms. If they get down a score, they're not a very good football team because they can't do what they do. Um, they've gotten into some shootouts this year and and they've won them. Uh, but again, I, I just don't. I just don't see that defense being able to hold up for the long term. What all, what's also going to happen when Lamar can't pass or his passing game's getting figured out by the Bills defense, and you don't have that running game to fall back on because everyone's on IR. <sighs> That's yeah. I mean, you know, the, the problem is, I mean, you look at the teams that he has been able to throw the football against, and they've been pretty bad defenses. I mean, if you get a defense and you saw what Cincinnati was able to do against him, right? Cincinnati was able to lock down the back end long enough for those front four to get home. They did a good job of spying on him and kept it, kept keeping him in the pocket, keeping him contained with his legs. And that's the, the you know, they, they mollywopped them. They I mean, got that's, that's the key. To, multiple to the, four, mul- the Ravens went for it multiple times on fourth down and didn't get it specifically yeah. because he had nowhere to throw the football. Uh, it's, it's just when teams know the Ravens are passing, they're just not very good. Well, and it, and it doesn't help that he doesn't have a receiver on his team that can no. get open. No. I mean, he they, they've got to run a route and be open because he's not going to throw them open, and I don't think any of them are talented enough to win a one-on-one matchup against a guy like Trey White. I don't even know if they're talented enough to win a one-on-one against Levi Wallace. And that's it. They've been trying to find an answer, and in typical Ravens fashion, it hasn't worked. So they're going to go into this season with another mismatch at wide receiver, and they're going to hope that somebody grows by the end of the season to be a true wide receiver one. But it's one of the positions that's the hardest to acclimate to as a rookie. So not only is Miles Boykin still learning it, Hollywood Brown's becoming a little more consistent. Rondell Moore, not Rondell Moore, Jesus Christ, uh, what's his, uh, call in if you know, the Rashad Bateman. <laughs> Jesus. Rashad Bateman. Yeah. Rashad Bateman. He just got activated, too. Yeah, so he's, he's new. So it's going to be one of those things. Like, he's going to have a learning curve. So it may not happen for them this year. And that's just going to be their lot for this year. The Tennessee Titans. They just beat the Buffalo Bills. Everyone wants to call them the cock of the walk. Yet, when you look at what the Tennessee Titans are, they lost to the Jets. You don't get to tell me that you're elite when you lose to the Jets. I'll throw all the statistics out the window. You lost to the New York Jets this year. You gave them the only win that they have. I don't give a single shit about what you tell me you are statistically. You lost to the Jets. It's like the ultimate trump card. <laughs> Thank this year you. In the NFL. That's what I'm saying. So with that in mind, this is a team that if the clock had five more minutes on it, do the Buffalo Bills beat the Tennessee Titans? If the if the NFL did not institute the instant replay sky cam eye in the sky this year, they the Bills beat the Titans because don't forget 
that third down play where Josh Allen scrambled to the left, they signaled for first down. He had that first down until they called it in and said, no, he didn't get it, which then led to the quarterback sneak that, that didn't get where it needed to go. So, yeah, I mean, you can make the argument that I, I mean, I was a fan of going for it because I didn't, I didn't like the way that the game had played out. I didn't trust that Buffalo was going to win that football game if it went into overtime. Um, I was also, you know, 11 IPAs in by that point in the night, so <laughs> you probably could have convinced me that any decision was a good decision. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think when you, when you break it down and you look at it, the Buffalo Bills were a better football team, and that was the definition of any given Sunday. I mean, the Titans won – credit to them, but there were a lot of calls that went uncalled, calls yeah. that went called that shouldn't have been called, and that's, that's a, the nature of football. You take your lumps and you move on. That's a but, coin flip game. And when I look yeah, at what you they lose are, to the Jets. Yeah, I mean, it, you lose to the Jets you and you were at Jets. home. So coin flip, it's, it's completely different. Well, and here's how. When you look at them statistically, they're in the top 10 for both rushing yardage for, rushing touchdowns for, and rushing yardage against, right? But at the same time, when you look at their offense for passing, they're, what, 25th in yards, 24th in yards against passing. There's, uh, what, 25th in passing touchdowns for. There's a lot of things here that tell me you can't orchestrate a balanced offense. You know who's been getting by and surviving on that for years until it really mattered? It was the Ravens. You, congratulations. You've now become the Ravens of the last three years. And I think with not they, as talented of a defense. Thank you. And I think that they And you can make the argument that if Derek I mean, they're an injury to Derrick Henry away from from losing four or five games in a row. I mean, Derrick Henry, he he's, he's a monster. Catalyst. And, and 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 he they don't have anybody nearly as talented as Derrick Henry uh that can run the football behind him. And what so pisses if he me goes off, down, if he goes down, they, they may as well pack it in. Well, and what pisses me not. off is that they have the easiest strength of schedule remaining of all NFL football teams, which brings us to our Buffalo Bills, who have the third easiest schedule, right? The second easiest in the AFC. And when I take a look at the Buffalo Bills, I mean, what are we this year? We, st- we had a weird start to the season. And w- I don't know. Look, I, I always I look at these numbers and I see a lot of single digits, right? Like, we're seventh in the league in rushing attempts. Doesn't that sound fucking crazy to you? Chris, if I told you the Buffalo Bills were ranked seventh in the league for rushing attempts on offense. I wouldn't believe you like I normally do. No. And at the same time, we're seventh in rushing yards. Wait, what? The Buffalo Bills have a top ten rushing offense? What? Whoa. What? Oh, oh, we're fourth in passing attempts and we're sixth in total passing yardage. And then at the same time, or actually, no, we're, uh, excuse me, after this last week, after we set out, it's gone to eighth. But on defense, we are holding team. I mean, we're, we are in single digits across the board in every statistical. And a lot of it has to do with our schedule, but a lot of it has to do with the talent that we've accumulated on both sides of the ball. Because this Bills roster has been a long time in the making. So with that in mind, the Bills team, when you look at them and what they are statistically, the pros and cons, I mean, they have a shaky offensive line. Everybody knows that. Short of that, though, they have one of the best quarterbacks remaining in the AFC, which is crazy to consider, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the Bills have the best quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. 
And you, if you would have told me that three years ago that Josh Allen would become one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, I I probably would not have believed you. Trust the process and all that stuff. That's fine, but I don't think anybody saw Josh Allen being this. And if they were, they're you know probably lying to themselves. And if you went, you'd be crazy to think that even after a week off of football, the Buffalo Bills still lead the NFL as of today in DVOA ranking on defense. <laughs> like you were still. Yeah, I think top. I saw I saw a tweet where they're number one on defense, and they're like three hundred yards or something like that ahead of the next team, or some crazy stat. Like yeah. just just stupid good on defense. So what this means is you've you've essentially paired 2019's defense. Maybe even 2017s, because not only are we suppressing yardage, but we're getting turnovers, which, as Kansas City knows, might be the difference. You're getting turnovers, you're suppressing yardage, and you're beating up the bad football teams the way you should beat them up. You're not the Raiders who are allowing teams to hang around. You're not the you know <laughs> you're not the Chiefs who are taking it on the chin because you're totally one dimensional, and your rookie offensive line can't get any is getting figured out as the season goes on, forcing you to shuffle it and make changes. I mean, we shuffled and made changes, but they've they've borne fruit. We didn't get punched in the mouth down in Tennessee and what score three points. Watch, uh, I mean. Watching Mahomes get unceremoniously dragged off the field this Sunday really set in my mind the fact that this might be it. Like, the, yeah. this might be the Buffalo Bills year by virtue of the fact that we have the better quarterback. We have a defense that's playing out of its mind, even against bad competition. We're, show, we're, we're illustrating that they're terrible competition. So when we look at this AFC picture as a whole, these are the contenders. We've now just made a case for everybody, both for and against. When you look at how the Bills fit into this, this kind of mishmash, it's this weird convoluted, it's, it, instead of there being a hierarchy, it's more of a cloud. It's convoluted. Yeah. But when you think about where we fit and how the AFC is going to work as the season ends, would you agree with me if I said that it's less about where you finish. And at this point, it's going to be more about who you get matched up against. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I would say where, who you line up against, I think is going to play a a much bigger factor this year than where the football game is being played. Um, You know, so if the bills don't wind up with home field throughout the playoffs, you know, and you've got to go to LA to play the, the chargers, that might benefit the Bills. You can go in there and you can pass. You don't have to worry about the weather too much. If you've got to go into Baltimore and 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 run the football, or you got to go into you know Cincinnati and run the football. You're one of the better teams offensively and being able to run the football. So I mean, I think you match up well regardless of where you have to go play. The key is going to be when do you catch these particular matchups? Yeah. Um, you know, and and kind of what how does that all shake out in the end? The Bills are. You can argue that the Bills are the only team that we've talked about tonight that don't have a bad loss or a questionable win on their on their record. They've yeah. beaten the teams that they're supposed to beat by multiple touchdowns, and the two teams that they've lost football games to are arguably good football teams. And they weren't necessarily bad games by the Bills. They just, you know, they just at the end of the game, they just didn't have enough to get where they needed to be. But then you look at Baltimore, they needed a what a 68 yard field goal to beat the, the effing Lions, right? The, the, the Titans lost to the Jets. The Chiefs can't beat anybody right now. 
Cincinnati is still Cincinnati until they're not. I mean, same thing that I said with the Chargers and and Cincinnati even, um, you know, is a three point uh, loss to the to the to the Bears. I mean, I'll they have bad C- losses and Bills don't. I'll respect Cincinnati more when they just suck it up and move to Kentucky. Like or let Kentucky annex them, and then I'll respect you. Until then, they can suck it. I, I when I think about the Buffalo Bills in this picture, I'm thinking about the entire AFC challenger, quote unquote, class. It's kind of a giant game of rock paper scissors. I mean, we saw some of this with the Cincinnati Ravens game this week. The it all comes down to matchups because. The Ravens are a good football team when they can, hey, you're going to run two, maybe three wide receiver sets at most. Your third wide receiver is going to be mediocre. And we're going to be able to hold serve with that because our defensive backs are deep enough to make up for that. And our offense, if your offensive line is a little shaky, we can get some pressure. And our, if your defense is mediocre, we'll get some, we'll score some points. If the opposing offense can spread out the Ravens' defense, all of a sudden, they're putting up catastrophic yardage. What well, Jamar Chase had a 200-yard day, and yet it was C.J. Uzuma, the tight end, who had two touchdowns against them. <laughs> they got picked apart because their secondary is just too thin at this point to operate against an offense that has multiple, multiple threats. We saw that. Now, you saw against the Buffalo Bills, when you have a freak running back, and you get some untimely turnovers, that can be the Bills' undoing. Guess what? Yeah. Our defense will do well, not if you give Derrick Henry 20 yards to the end <laughs> Like, But there's only one Derrick Henry. That's and it. That, that's what we talk about with matchup. There's so, only one guy that's going to do that to you. So this whole AFC, you know, whether you're the Raiders, whether you're talking about the Ravens, whether you're talking about the Bills, everyone's so worried about our path forward. I think the bigger thing here is that this whole thing comes down to a giant game of rock, paper, scissors. And so as the season progresses, I don't want Bill, what I want Bills fans to take away from this entire podcast is that it's not the number one seed is obviously you want home field throughout the playoffs because it's where your players feel most comfortable. But the reality of the makeup of the AFC this year is that it comes down to more who you play, not so much where you play. And in this way, kind of like since he just beat up on the Ravens for the first time in five years that we lumped up the Chiefs because their their defense didn't pair well against our defense and offense, and we were a bad matchup for them. But Tennessee Tennessee found something. The, the makeup of their team was something that allowed them to get a last-minute leg up over us. That's what you're going to see when the postseason rolls around. So let's focus on that and just where we are relative to these other teams performance-wise rather than what the final standings are because that's really what's going to make the difference in who comes out on top in this t- weird... Because <laughs> usually it's the best quarterbacks holding serve and instead this is a year where team makeup is really going to carry and it's going to matter the most, I think, when you get to the postseason. And, and yeah, and it's going to be with the extra game who can stay the healthiest. And right now, advantage, advantage Buffalo in that case. Too. And, I, and listen, I still think I still think for all the Bills fans that are listening, I, I still think the Buffalo Bills have the inside track for the one seed. Um, again, because they, they get to beat up on the AFC East for, for five more games. They, they're, they're really the only difficult game that they've got left on their schedule is the box. And I think they can beat the box. Um, you know, when you look at these other teams, you know, the, you know, the Chargers, they, they've got a couple tough games ahead of them. They still have to play the AFC. They still have to play the AFC West, the AFC, you know, North teams. They're all going to beat up on each other. Uh, and I'm not worried about anybody from the AFC South. So I still think Buffalo has the inside track. 
selfishly, I really want them to have the one seed. Um, you know, I'd love to go see an AFC title game in Buffalo. Um, you know, we got a chance to go to the playoff game last year and it was, it was great, but to be able to go with an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl to Ralph Wilson, which I still call it Ralph Wilson and do it with 74,000 people. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I want them to have the one seed. Um, but but when you look at it pragmatically, which I always try to do, I, I also think they are the best team to have a chance at the one seed based on the remaining strength of schedule and, you know, kind of the way that I think things are going to fall with the rest of the year. There's one game on their schedule, I think, that they might not win. Um, and I can't say that about the rest of the AFC team. No, I agree. And I'll tell you, it, you're right, because it would be fun to be be a part of something. Like, you remember back in the 90s, those videos of that game against the Raiders, where it was over in the first half. Yeah. And people were just, then it was party time for 35 minutes. People just drinking, boozing, having a great time, singing songs, laughing. And the, the Buffalo Bills laughed their way into the Super Bowl. I want to be a part of that. Yeah. At the same yeah. time, if that never manifests itself, I'm going to be okay because I know that this Buffalo Bills team goes on the road and it handles business. <laughs> and I, yeah. I I can't wait to see them do it late in the season. I just, it's going to be incredibly fun to watch. And again, this rock, paper, scissors makeup of the AFC with Casey falling the way that it has has left a vacuum and I can't wait to see who fills it. Ryan, where can people find you on social media and follow your snarky tweets? Yeah, go feel free to give me a follow at rocks or at Ryan Lacel underscore RSN if you haven't blocked me already. Uh, if you have, I uh, you know go ahead and unblock me and give me another chance to uh, <laughs> you know earn your trust. But uh, yeah, you know so at rock Ryan Lacel underscore RSN. Uh, always appreciate you guys having me on. I'm glad that I'm able to retain friendship with both of you guys, even though uh, I've moved up into a higher tax bracket and uh, you guys are. <laughs> At least Chris, close. Or do you find to Ryan Lacell on Twitter? Uh, I, I at still Ryan Lacell. Glad we got to know each other before RSN. I before I Chris got, I think became we did the a money man. Good job for a hey, well, and, and I hope you guys can still join us when there are personal seat licenses and, and half of Buffalo is, is apparently going to be priced out of going to the Bills games. We're looking at. Hey, well, if my my crypto gains keep continuing, I'm going to blow past you in the tax bracket. At least the quarterback. I look forward to it, and tell you what, I'll sell you my helicopter and I can buy new. He's trying to push a rock uphill. You have you have a quarterback who's one fourth down conversion slip away from being the winningest quarterback in the division and just being able to beat his chest and say we have that guy. If we lo- if we win that game, all these narratives change. We know what he's capable of. The defense is what's surprising. And the fact that we've been able to marry last year's a lot of last year's offense with previous year's defenses, that is what's fueling this team, and nobody else has the complete picture the way that we have it. So I feel like in a game of rock, paper, scissors, we, Chris, what, what would you call us? Like, what's your favorite thing to throw because you think it's going to win most often? In a game of paper. rock, paper, scissors, what's your go-to? Paper. Now, is there something like, are you watching for a tell or are you just, is that your go-to? Because you assume most people think rock is the best. Well, you probably go rock because you're a Neanderthal <laughs> and you you just, like a caveman. All I don't even know if you can do 
the hand sign for scissors or paper. You're just too dumb. You just do rock. You just hold your fist out like an idiot. That's why I go paper. Paper is for smart people. I just feel like we're multifaceted enough that we could be any one of them. We could be the team that runs the football well enough, at least with a combination of running backs and quarterbacks. And then if you try to take that away from us, that's fine. We'll throw the football. If you don't, you'll end up like the Chiefs, where all of a sudden Zach Moss has a game against you. And you wonder where the hell it came from. We have enough going for us that we can navigate what this landscape is. And so in that way, I'm just waiting to see how we handle the next two months of football. I'm not worried about the one seed anymore. I think I've firmly moved on from that. If we get it, it'll be fantastic. If we don't... We will get it. If we don't, I'm not worried. I literally just care about who we end up with and how our coaches adapt to it because this is a team that's equipped to do everything. And I can't wait to watch it play out. I've had a lot of beer. We've had a lot of football talk. It's time to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been your Rock Pile Report. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.